This is a Retail Insider Podcast. You're listening to the interview series. Welcome to the Retail Insider Podcast. I'm your host today, Craig Patterson, and we're joined here today with Matt Crowell. He's the founder and CEO of shopping platform Get in the Loop, which is uh, expanding across the country. It's based in beautiful Kelowna, British Columbia. Welcome, Matt. Hey, Craig. How's it going? Thanks for having me on here today. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Now, retail. the reason we're actually doing this podcast is because Retail Insiders partnered with Get in the Loop, expanding the Retail Insider business uh, in this partnership with Get in the Loop. Tell me a little bit about Get in the Loop is about, Matt, and what, what can be done here. Yeah. Um, so Get in the Loop, uh, well, what we've, what we've done is we, we've built a set of tools that allows a business to attract and retain new customers. And so they can create exclusive offers. They can highlight current sales. Um, and it's it's kind of a sophisticated way to create incentives for consumers. We have our own loyalty solution called the Punch Reward. Um, and then we've got the Get in the Loop app, which was the easiest way to shop local and get rewarded. Um, and then to scale the business, we franchised it. And so we've got uh, we've got over 90 franchisees across the country that are in local markets helping sign up local businesses um, and create awareness for the app. And, and then we as a company, um, we partner with shopping centers, national brands, and, and then look for audience partners like Retail Insider. So it's, uh, it's great to be partnered with you on that and excited about where we can take it. Excellent, excellent. How can Retail Insider readers work with the, the, the Get in the Loop platform as we get it through the website here? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a staged rollout. So already, if you go to the top of Retail Insider, you can see the Get in the Loop offers. And so that should be all based on your location. So if you look, you're going to see the businesses that are using our platform closest to you across the country. So it's an opportunity for your readership uh, to get to know what's new, what sort of offers are out there in the community from local and national businesses. And then over time as a reader, uh, you're going to see a really neat development of like a shopping center's page and ecosystem on Retail Insider. So uh, I think a lot of ways that I know today you guys help a lot with leasing and updates and info and PR, and then we help with location-based offers. Um, We're integrated live with the shopping center. And so I think together... Um, the readers can really look for a really neat shopping center product that we'll put together on, on your guys's property, and uh, and then more and more customized and personalized experiences in their local communities. I think that's both of our goals: is how do you reach into local communities across the country? And I think together we'll be able to build a really neat ecosystem there. Yeah, and now more and more businesses are signing up to get on to get in the loop. Businesses ranging from you know independent small businesses to shopping centers. Uh, tell me a little bit about what's been happening in terms of the uptake of uh, businesses uh, with get in the loop, and how can businesses that are interested get involved as well? Yeah, I mean it's uh, we we had grown quite nicely as a company when the pandemic hit. Um, it's been it's been a really interesting trend for us. I mean uh, we're close to almost six thousand businesses using our product now in Canada. Um, and so that, that's nice to be a trusted partner of local businesses and shopping centers to attract customers. Um, but we still got a lot of work to do. Um, and, uh, and we work with them in a lot of different ways. So our franchise network is out there signing up local businesses. Um, we have a direct team that's, uh, that's working with a bunch of shopping centers. Um, but if a business is listening, uh, they can go to our website, uh, getintheloop.ca to, to learn more. And, and, I, and I believe there's going to be a lot of ways for them to learn more about it on your, on your property again as well. But uh, we, we, we've opened up our platform through the pandemic as well. So we do even have a free tier service for local business. Uh, we call it the community plan. And so that's been a big reason we've grown to so many businesses through the pandemic. A lot of businesses needed to find a way to digitize. And we've been lucky, uh, fortunate enough to be able to help out in that scenario. Excellent. Excellent. And uh, now the business, uh, we actually talked about this before, also moved into the United States. There's been a bit of an international expansion. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's early days for us. We ended up signing a big partnership with a company called Benefit Hub. Um, so they're based out of the U.S. and they are in Canada. Um, and so the way that Benefit Hub works is employers sign up their employees on there to get offers and discounts on travel and hotels and tickets. And the number one thing they were looking for was local businesses and local offers. And so uh, we've done a partnership with Benefit Hub down in the U.S. and Canada. But as we enter into the U.S., it gives us a really big audience. And so uh, that's a big market that we're we're going to attack slowly and, and strategically. But uh, we're excited to get down there. So we expect to have our first few offers live before the year ends. And next year will be a big year of growth down there, we think. Now, uh, in Canada, you mentioned that there's franchisees that hold regions, I guess you would say, in terms of, of, of getting a loop. Um, in the United States, is that going to be the same thing? Um, or is it a different because of the way the partnership is set up? Yeah. I mean, yeah. So we have a franchise market. And so we learned really quickly, you need somebody in local communities and neighborhoods that's working with those small businesses. So it's been a really nice model for us. Um, because we have a big audience partner like that, I think there's a lot of exciting ways we can enter the U.S. And so we're talking to a lot of media companies and other things, but there's no doubt that we're going to be rolling out that franchise model. I mean, it's been a big difference for us to get into local communities, and there's a lot of local communities across the U.S. So we're just in the final strokes of finalizing the paperwork so that we'll be able to offer a franchise opportunity down there. Now, in Canada, there are opportunities for those that are interested in getting get in the loop franchise as well. There are certain markets that are open. I think you mentioned there's about 90 currently that exist in Canada, and there's probably at least that many that are available. Yeah, yeah. We think there's a room for about 300 plus of our franchises across the country. Um, and so they can go to getinlooplocal.com if anybody wants to learn about that. That's where you learn all about our digital franchise opportunity. But uh, yeah, I mean almost everywhere still has room. I mean, uh, we're still early days as a franchisor. Um, we've got a big team out there talking to local business, but uh, we expect that to double in the next year or so as we come out of the pandemic. So the, there's no secret that the pandemic has been quite a challenge to all kinds of businesses across the continent. Uh, what are you seeing with Get in the Loop in terms of uh, how businesses are doing now as things have opened up across the country uh, and, and as things sort of get a little bit more back to normal? Yeah, I mean, we were one of those businesses that we were definitely impacted quite a bit. I mean, it hasn't been an easy time. Um, and, and for our customers, it's been a really tough time. I mean, I think we have a neat view of that because we're, we're seeing kind of businesses across the country. And the one thing I would say is that although I think there's optimism in how things are opening up is... Everything is much more delayed than than you would think as a consumer. You know, uh, just because a business might have you know eased restrictions and more flexibility and they can operate like they they could before, it doesn't mean that they've got the supplies and product and the team. And so it's uh, what we're seeing is a lot of our partners across the country, although they might be able to expand hours and and everything's going back to a bit more of a normalized state, their business hasn't been left normalized. They don't have the same leadership. They don't have the same staff. Um, you know, their ability to get products, all of that has changed. And so uh, it's going to be a lot of hard work for business to dig out of what the pandemic has done. The government doesn't just get to flip a switch on and everything goes back to normal. You know, I think consumers are very keen to get out and spend and we're seeing that. Um, but it doesn't mean businesses are ready to turn the business up to that next level in a profitable fashion, just based on what's changed for so many small businesses. That's one thing I'm seeing. Oh, that's right. I mean, you know, things aren't back to where they were. This has been a challenging time. I mean, supply chain alone, I think, has been something where they're saying, do your Christmas shopping now. Yeah, it's interesting. I've seen that trend and I'm seeing uh, family and friends that are that are acting on it. You know, I, I've talked to a few people this weekend alone that had done all their Christmas shopping already and they and they oh. pointed to the fact that they've read about supply chain shortages and I'm uh, I'm so unprepared for that. So I'm not that person, but and, and I think there's just such a staff shortage. You know, I really think that's the number one thing I see is every business I see that's that's struggling is they're struggling to have the right people, enough of the right people. Um, and, and where we live out in Cologne, I mean, there's a lot of businesses that have went down to smaller hours and everybody sights on the door, you know, lack of people, lack of staff. 
And so uh, I think that's going to be a big thing is to get the workforce back out and active. And, and I think the workforce has changed a lot too. <laughs> you know, uh, people's, uh, people's ideology of how they want to work and where they want to work is changing. And so I'm sure it's going to be, it's, it's tougher for small businesses, I think, in that bricks and mortar scenario to be competing with so many roles and companies that have gone fully digital and fully remote, mm-hmm. right? No, oh, and that's interesting because, and I've heard of staff shortages across the country where one case a restaurant wasn't able to serve on certain days and, you know, stores have had to reduce their hours. Uh, it's harder to do in a shopping center because shopping centers typically mandate the hours that a store would be open. Although during the pandemic, for the first time in my lifetime that I witnessed this, shopping centers seem to let tenants do what they want, which is not typical. You know, for those that have seen this during the pandemic, don't expect to see that ever again, uh, probably, <laughs> because that's not something that... I've ever seen, you know, retailers would typically get fined for that sort of thing. So now, uh, Matt, are you seeing any winners or losers out of uh, the situation here as as we progress through the pandemic? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because you see some new industries be born, you know, in terms of pickup businesses. And, and I think they're the right people with the right approach are, are finding new ways to grow their business. In an overarching theme, I mean, I know quick service restaurant businesses have been very successful, like pickup and delivery. Anybody that was already set up to do delivery and pickup. Um, before the pandemic um, has really succeeded. So your pizza joints and your, your quick service restaurant joints are growing a lot. And and then I can feel and I can see, we can see quite a bit of a trend that shopping centers are going to come back into popularity pretty tremendously. Um, uh, you know, we're seeing a lot of engagement in terms of on our platform inside of the shopping center world. And I think I think a big part of that is the social aspect that happens in a center um, is uh, is not something that uh, I think can never be replaced. And, and, I, and you can see as markets are opening back up, I've been surprised at how quick people are back out there normalized into concerts. And, and so I think a shopping center and, and the ability to go get a lot of things done in one place is you're going to see them be winners in the long run, even though it's been a really tough, a tough go here through the pandemic. I can see that shopping centers are, they're going to have to change and adjust and, and innovate. But I think that they have a real neat opportunity to, to land back in popularity with uh, local consumers out of this. And, and we're seeing a, a lot of people interested in what's happening at their local shopping center. I think so as well. Um, I've talked to some landlords and some that are in the know, and they've said that foot traffic in the major shopping centers, it's not where it was, say, before the pandemic, but it's not that much less. You know, so Some of them are catching up. I think Yorkdale might actually be where it was uh, before, which is good. Even though e-commerce really, really grew during the pandemic. I, you know, I, I think it more than doubled is what they found. And I think that was a while ago and it's, it's probably grown, you know, fairly substantially since that report even came out where they said it grew by hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. No. And I think you're going to see e-commerce continue to grow. There's no doubt, but there's still just such an opportunity for a brand and the experience you get with a brand and the experience you get shopping that I think those worlds will just continue to collide. But, uh, I think we both believe there's there's a really neat future for the shopping center world, and I think you're going to see a busy season coming up here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. We talked about a bit of the challenges around the supply chain uh, and whatnot, but but some retailers are going to have stock. I mean, you're not going to walk into the shopping center and have an empty mall. No, I don't think so either. No. You know, the future of the shopping center, I, I think, is still the clustering of retail. It's something that we've seen work. The benefits of the shopping center or the urban street, you know, the neighborhood, BIA, whatever you want to call it. We are seeing, and one thing I've actually noticed more, especially as there's been some vacancies in shopping centers, is, is local retail moving into shopping yeah. centers. Yeah, I think you're going to see a big movement of that. And it's all about consumer convenience, right? I mean, what's going to make it simpler for a consumer to get all the things they want the quickest? Everybody's compressed by time. And 
I think your ability to whip around a shopping center and hit multiple brands, whether they're local or national, is, is always going to be a draw. You know, it feels like anyway. Absolutely. And I'm seeing new tenant types moving into shopping centers. We did an article at Retail Insider recently about cannabis retail moving into uh, major enclosed shopping centers, including Cadillac, Fairview. But the world is changing. And, and another thing I'm noticing, too, is secondhand retailers in shopping centers. Uh, now, granted, these are very strong concepts, I would say, but it is so interesting to see the tenant mix changing in shopping centers just over the past couple couple of years, uh, not substantially, but it's enough that I think that it's actually going to enrich that retail experience where, uh, uh, you know, I might not be the biggest cannabis shopper, but, it, but it'd be interesting to get vintage clothing in the local mall. This is something we haven't really been able to do, uh, certainly before the pandemic anyways. Yeah, it is interesting. You know, I, I guess I assume over time it's, uh, it's the public's uh, view of, of a cannabis shop makes a, makes a big landlord more open to it. Or, or is it the pandemic where everybody's scrambling to find great tenants and uh, if a cannabis shop can pay, uh, they're welcome and they're open to them playing now. You know, I think it's probably a bit of both in some scenarios. That's right. I think cannabis retailers generally pay more rent. Yeah. And I'm excited about the Get in the Loop partnership. We're really looking forward to it. I mean, uh, I know that you guys have uh, predominantly had this amazingly engaged audience and I'm excited to get them activated out there in their communities with local businesses and uh, Anybody who's listening that wants to learn more about how they could see themselves live inside of your platform or in communities on Get in the Loop, they can reach out to me directly. It would be a, It's going to be nice to see this grow together. Great. Thank you so much. Yes. So for anyone listening here, check our uh, website. We're going to have more Get in the Loop related offers on uh, the website and uh, things will be growing and changing. So there'll be some changes. Of course, we'll t- continue to have Canadian retail news. That's not going to change. Again, excited for this Get in the Loop partnership. I want to say thank you so much. This has been Matt Crowell. He's the founder and CEO of Kelowna-based Get in the Loop. Thanks a lot thank- for having me. <laughs> thank you for joining us. And I'm Craig Patterson. I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of Retail Insider. Uh, thank you for listening. Take care and bye for now.